This is the Property Solopreneur Podcast, and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes, and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Property Solopreneur. And this week, I'm talking to my old friend and fellow co-host of the Bucks Property Meet, John Cox. Now, if you've not found John yet, then I think you need to look him up after this, and all his details will be in the show notes, as his companies are very much on speed dial by many of the market leaders. He's built his property-centric businesses in mortgaging, insurance, and the land buying company from his knowledge of being a property investor himself. He has purchased over 120 properties in the west coast of Scotland for both himself and investors. So he's got first-hand knowledge of the success and nightmares that we all take for granted. And of course, he has worked in financial services for over 18 years. So he's got an in-depth knowledge about market fluctuations, changes and readjustments. The mortgaging and insurance companies are FCA regulated. And in this conversation today, we are in no way promoting his businesses. But please have a listen. And if you are a solopreneur with big dreams and don't know much about these subjects, have a look out for John when you're networking. He's extremely modest, as you will hear from this chat. But take him aside, buy him a drink and ask him all the questions you've ever wanted to. And you'll be amazed at the stories and tales he'll tell you. Well, John, thank you very much for coming along today to talk to me. For those of you who don't know, John and I have known each other for quite some time. For over, I think it must actually be over 10 years now, because I first encountered you in the rooms of the Berkshire Property Meet, which seems an awfully long time ago, doesn't it? <laughs> Gosh, yeah, years and years ago. Well, that was around the um, the financial recession, I would think, was probably the heyday of the Berkshire Property Meet. When... It was. And I think that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons I thought it'd be fun to talk to you today, because p- property is a huge part of your life, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, very passionate about property, like a lot of people we know. <laughs> but unlike many people, you're not all mouth and no trousers. You go out and when you see something, you create a business. So, you know, just off the top of my head, you've got mortgagedesk.com, you've got insurancedesk.com, and you've got the land buying company, all of which do exactly what they say on the tin, because you've seen a gap in the market and you've gone ahead and done something about it. But today I thought we'd talk predominantly about insurance, because it is one of those things that the longer I work with people, the more I realise they think insurance is something they really shouldn't have to pay for. Yeah, it's never. It's, I mean, we get obviously. I mean, it's a it's a it's a necessity, isn't it? But obviously, no matter whether you've got a small portfolio, you've got one property, or whether you've got you know we've got clients with you know over 100, 200 properties, it's never seen as an investment. It's always seen as a cost. So you know, a typical you could have a typical client ring up saying buying a HMO or property that is going to convert to a HMO, buying it for two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. You're going to spend one hundred and fifty thousand pounds converting it to a HMO, for example. And and he'll talk about the £150,000 he's invested in that property, but the £500 to insure it is a cost. And it always always makes you laugh, really. Um, It does, because, of course, but do you find that people 
Once they've actually had to claim, they change their tune. Uh, I mean, I think I think the education's getting better from obviously the sort of things we do, and you know, and obviously I think you know because of COVID and because of people perceiving they had certain types of insurances that weren't paid. Um, I think we're pretty much down there with, with you know, estate agents and letting agents as the problem, the bottom rung of the social ladder, really, um, as the most hated profession. So it's, it's nice to go on social media and, and, you know, put the insurance company and the broker's point of view across to correct a lot of inaccuracies and, and things where claims have been repudiated, things like that. But at the end of the day, as you, you know, a lot of people know is, you know, if you buy cheap, you buy twice. You know, it, yeah, that's, you... that is so true in property for property insurance, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because most of us, I'm sure you do, John, but most of us don't read the small print. No, and I mean, you know, I've got a great team. You know, a lot of people probably know Josh Munt, who who heads up the team. You know, he's you know basically a, a one of these guys that will just go through all the small print so that you know he can adjust the cover to suit you know obviously landlords and property people's needs and stuff like that, but. Ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, you could be talking of something like 25 or 50 pounds to enhance the cover so that if you had a tree fall through it after you've just bought a property at auction and it demolishes the roof and costs, you know, 30,000 pounds worth of damage, you know, that extra 50 quid means that that policy is going to pay out 30 grand as opposed to a very basic cover where, surprise, surprise, you're not covered. And sadly, the only time you find out is when you're putting a phone call into the claims line and they say, you're not covered. Yes. And, and if those of us who have actually claimed on insurance, my word, having the right sort of insurance in place really has made such a difference. And so, for instance, I'm thinking about those of us who buy something that badly needs to be done up. It wasn't until I found uh, you that I realised that you, you didn't have to buy off the peg. You could tell uh, an insurance company what you were going to do. And then it sort of came, the, the payments went up and down depending on what you were doing. Because, of course, the most dangerous bit is when you've got the workmen in there with their blowtorches, haven't you? Um, <laughs> Yeah, hundred <laughs> um, percent. Yeah, it's 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 about a mitigating risk as much. I mean, at the end of the day, the best way to look at your insurance broker. I mean, we've obviously got to follow certain rules. With with F's fully regulated, the same with on the finance side of things. So, you know, it's a heavily regulated industry. But the the aim is to basically match up. You know exactly what. Um, the risk is, you, you know, it's the old thing, isn't it? You're, you're not going to insure Ferrari at the price of a Mini because there's a good chance, obviously, a Ferrari is going to cost a lot more to repair and have a, you know, more accidents. So it's it's the same sort of thing, but it's it's just making sure, going through exactly with, you know, portfolio clients or people doing their first project, exactly what your plans are for not only the works, but also the end goal, who, who's the tenant type you're going to be putting into it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then so what you're you actually through. saying to me is that you should be putting as much effort into talking to an insurance broker as you do in actually doing the figures on the deal because this is you know this is money that you will find if you don't get it right you'll have to pay for so you should be happy to put that time aside saying right this is my building this is how much it's worth this is what I'm going to do to it and this is exactly how it's going to pan out because I think for instance most people who are new in property don't even realize that you can't leave a building empty forever and the insurance company being happy about it you, there are time limits to these things aren't there yeah 100% a lot of people still you know i mean i think there's a lot of uh, people are just naive so you know 90% of people don't look to they don't look to to hide the facts they're just unaware that that is the important information that they should divulge but so it could be a completely innocent mistake like 
someone's bought a property from an estate agent the property's been empty six or seven months but they're that you know they they've not conveying that information so you know most insurance companies will, will, will effectively take when the property was first empty so you you know that by by knowing that it means you know a lot of people think oh i've got 30 days an occupancy cover because i've just bought it and it's you know it's going to be so they say you know, I've just bought it and we're going to get some works done. It should be tenanted in, you know, week four, week five. So, but, you know, some insurance companies, if that's fax is not made um, them aware that it was empty for five or six months beforehand, that 30 days is gone. So you're basically... Oh, my word. That, that's so quite frightening. Yeah, you could be on what's called flea, and flea cover. So, you know, someone, you buy a property from state edge, it's been empty, someone breaks into it, you know, between you sort of like getting in to get the works done, steals the boiler, of course the criminals aren't going to turn the water off, you know, you get a £30,000 flood damage and you're not covered. So it's just, you know, and, and to be fair, something like that, you know, you're literally talking twenty, thirty pound extra to have what's called full perils cover, and you can relax and the way you go. So it's it's not. It's a lot of the time it's just information and making people aware. And again, it's just asking the right questions and and, and people making sure that the cover is fit for purpose. You see, yes, and that's very interesting because I think, well, having been in the room when lots of people have taught many different ways of doing property, insurance is one thing that they never really talk about. You'll just assume that somehow you will absorb it by a you know osmosis. But I think most of us only realise how vital it is when we hear horror stories from other people. And and presumably you have encountered a few nightmares in your time where people have actually got what they need yeah we've i mean we've got people that have come to us and shared stories we've, we've also got people that have, have had a bad claims experience and obviously they need to you know you know they you know they, they feel they've got impossible an impossible portfolio to ensure so you know we we love to excel on you know people that have got sort of you know 24 bed hmo above a firework shop <laughs> with, with, with cooking facilities in the rooms you know josh josh loves things like that but no i mean you, you go through phases i mean i you know we we are heading into some stormy clouds ahead so unfortunately with you know with a you know dare you dare i say the word recession but means that crime will go up so you're probably going to see a lot more theft you're going to see a lot more cannabis farms coming up so it's just educating people and making sure that you know you're referencing your tenants properly you, you know your letting agent or if you're doing it yourself you're inspecting the properties frequently you're not taking any cash up front in rent it's all things like that that will basically stop you from taking tenants that are likely to be running large properties as cannabis farms and also you know if if you do which we've had we've had a couple of claims for cannabis farms it's just making sure that they you know that that, that cover is in built into the policy so again it's i would say you know like on the finance side of things you know you can you can you, can, you, know, you can get the finance wrong you could probably you know you might take a, a three-year fix instead of a five-year fix you might pay a little bit more for your money but you know, it's not really going to damage your business. But if, you know, we had, I think, three storms in one week, not so long ago, oh, you, know, yes. you know, the phones were, you know, it's almost like you could have put them, put them in a bucket of water. It was ringing off. And it, and it's like, you know, that if you've got a portfolio of properties and suddenly, you know, you've not got the right cover in place, I mean, that can do some serious damage to your portfolio. So, and, you know, literally for the sake of a few hundred pounds. So, no, I, I just think there's, and or more, coming back to the recession, you know, the more pressure on the insurance companies to make profit, 
the more they're going to be very, very tight on when there is a claim, just making sure that, you know, for example, if, you know, if you've got a, a county court judgment that you're not disclosed or you're doing JVs with people and someone, and one of your partners is not, you know, anything like that that's not disclosed, they're going to use that as a reason. But my word, so that, I'd never heard of that one before. So yeah. you've really got to talk to your JVs carefully and get all mm-hmm. the information out of them. Oh my yeah, word, yeah. that's a shocker, John. I, I, that's my takeaway for the day. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. There's there is a big insurance company that um it wasn't a JV, but it was they allocated, you know, uh, I think he was doing about, I don't know, fifty, sixty thousand pounds of works to a, a building. So he's a builder and he caused about a hundred and eighty thousand pounds worth of damage. And one of the large insurance companies, when they looked into it, found that the builder did not disclose the CCJ that he had. So his builder policy that should have covered that damage that he'd done to a customer's property was marked null and void. So the homeowners were left with the, you know, effectively that hole there, um, you know, and obviously trying to sue someone like that is a waste of time. Anyway, it's way worse than useless, isn't it? So that really does bring insurance from being on the back burner really to sitting square right up there with the deal figures and everything else. And another thing that I find, because I know that I do with mine, I'll get a course of renewal every year and the nice lady will come on the phone and talk to me. And you know we can be there for actually quite a long time. Mm. And then she sends it all over to me to look through the emails and things. And I have spoken to people who find this all too much of a drag. Why should I have to do this? But you, this is really important stuff because even things like not having, what are those horrid, when you have a tenant who does something nasty to you, criminal damage. Malicious, malicious yeah, damage. Malicious yeah. damage, that's one. It, it's all about sort of working out how much you can afford to put aside for all that. Because of course, if you've got an enormous portfolio, you don't want everything insured at the same time. It's a risk and balance, isn't it? 100%. But it is about spending the time every year working out if you've got to move your policies around, increase the values on things. And even you know, if you've got a big enough portfolio, you are going to, sure enough, have a problem somewhere, aren't you? I mean, I had subsidence in a house. Uh, it was off the road for four years. Mm-hmm. It's now, I mean, it's bomb-proof now. I mean, unbelievably bomb-proof. But of course, I still can't get all the full insurance for another 10 years. But that's for me to know if my insurance broker to tell me. And I think many people who go into buying property don't see this side of it at all. They think everything's always going to work. It's not, is it? Yeah, I think, I think unfortunately, they just feel that, you know, I suppose it's like anything, isn't it? It's like other types of, of, of cover, like, you know, life cover and, you know, key man insurance, which are all sort of wrapped up in the same thing. It's never going to happen to me. But you know, I mean, we what's it this week? There's been a house exploded in Birmingham, isn't there? There was, oh yeah, November last year. There was one in Scotland that's you know taken about three or four houses out. Um, I mean, things happen, and you know, when you get a portfolio of you know, I mean, just take a portfolio of like ten HMOs and the reinstatement value. So that's not what the value of them. That's what you, if you had to build them again today would cost. It could be it could be two million pounds worth of build costs to do them again, and then that's insured for like. Two thousand pounds. I mean, I wouldn't take that risk. I mean, I think it's just a you know, it's the cheapest chips. I mean, you know, you've got <laughs> you know, you're taking, you're swapping. You know, you could you could be on the hook for two million pounds payout, and you're charging someone, you know, literally, you know, a couple of thousand pounds, and that's you know, on top of all the you know what you know, tenants could trip down the stairs, other things that happen. So, you know, a lot of people are um, you know aware that you know, big patient, you've got rebuild costs going up on average about nine percent this year. So you need to just make sure you're. Your bill costs are, you know, going up and, and correct because, you know, if you if you underinsure your properties, again, the insurance companies can adjust the claim accordingly. 
and you know obviously some insurance companies are looking to increase their increase their costs as well so you you should always be looking around like you say you know the best time to you know another tip is to you know if you've got you know we still come across people that got 10 properties and they've got 10 renewal dates oh my gosh i talk about a nightmare yeah so by putting them on one renewal date a you don't miss anything and b you know you'll you'll get a, a sort of a better rate from the from you know because it's just easier to manage and you know the um the carrier are normally discounted down a little bit. So, yes, but it just makes it, you know, it makes it easy for you. I mean, we've got people that ring up occasionally and say, oh, I've just missed this renewal. I've done that, you know, you know, so, so, you know, having a common renewal date definitely works, but also, you know, it's just making sure that anything changes between your insurance and your renewal. You're picking up the phone, talking to your broker, you know, because if you've gone and converted a three bed house to a six bed HMO and not told them, you know, if there is a claim before renewal, you're not going to get paid. So, So that's a very good point, because I think many people do have properties which they float in and out of things. They start Mm. as a single let, then they become a student let, then they might think, oh, that's rather good. Now I make it into a professional HMO. But actually, their insurance behind the scenes is just chugging over in the same old way that it always has done. And that's leading them into a real problem, isn't it? Potentially, yeah. I mean, it just depends. But, you know, in a lot of cases, it could be that you just pick up the phone, you just double check that or email, quick email Ooh. to your broker. And it, it could be that, you know, we email the insurance company and they're fine with it and they've got it on record. But, you know, it's, you just got to feel that, you know, if, you know, I mean, we had one recently, a claim, you know, and he, and he was doing SA out of it, you know, and the, the front door got melted from a fire, you know, car fire. But, you know, that was insured as a standard family let. So, you know, fortunately, that uh, the actual car insurance company was uh, at risk there. So that, that all got um, moved across to them to, to claim. But, you know, if obviously he had to claim on his policy, the fact that he was doing SA and he not told us, it, the claim would have got repudiated. So, you, yeah, it's just not worth it. At the end of the day, it's just a matter of just communicating with your broker, keeping them updated. In, ma- in many cases, it, you know, it's just a matter of the insurance company noting it on file. Things probably won't change. Um, but at least you're covered. Really, that's I think. You see, that's that I think is the the nub of it. People are terrified that if they pick up the phone and speak to you, you'll go, "Oh dear, 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 that's going to be big bucks." You're now doing SA. That that's going to cost me a fortune. But actually, it'll cost you a fortune if you don't pick up the phone and something yeah. goes wrong. Exactly, because you're not. You might as well. You know, you might as well instead of having your piece of insurance paper, you might as well have a cover. It'll probably do you better. <laughs> You know, it's literally, you know, you've just got an expensive piece of paper that's just yes. not going to pay out. So what's the point? Absolutely. And of course, there are so many different sorts of, of insurance in property world. And the other one that I found so valuable when I was sourcing was the PII, you know, professional indemnity insurance, which we all have to have if we're sourcing. But yeah, so many people our, don't. No, we were very, very lucky. We get a lot of um, personal recommendations. We've got our own scheme for that. So, you know, to join the TPO or one of the redress schemes, you need to have PI cover. So, you know, we can we can um, steer people through the, you know, what you need to have. So that's very straightforward because, like you quite rightly said, at the end of the day, you are effectively an estate agent. So, you know, there's four or five things you need to follow in order to source properties. Um, we've got a, like a handy guide people can can grab from us. But yeah, you you, you can't join the, the a redress scheme without PI cover, and it needs to be the right cover. Yes, and to... and I think when it first started to come in, I am um, I you know I remember ringing a, a very well known and respected company who we use for various things around the country. And they said they knew what what it was, but within minutes of starting the conversation, it was clear that they were absolutely baffled by what I did, how I did it, and why I was doing it. So they couldn't help me at all, and nor could they pinpoint me. So it is worth people who are entering into the whole sourcing business bit, and my word, why wouldn't you, because it is so profitable, 
to actually ask around or ring up a company like yours and go, okay, give me the full facts and what do I have to do? Where do I sign? How do I pay you? Because that's the only way you're going to be able to get all the ticks in the boxes, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And also to a degree, you know, it just adds to your customer offering as well. At the end of the day, if you're sourcing property for a client and you're saying, look, this is my terms of business, you know, I'm a member of a redress scheme, this is my PI, this is my data protection, et cetera, et cetera, then immediately, you know, against, you know, other people that might be sourcing, it's just, um, you're just, you know, you're ahead of the curve already, aren't you? And at the end of the day, you know, we all charge fees to, to source. So it just, it, you know, these the, there's a the cost to your business and it just makes, you know, you run a professional business. So why, you know, why are you um, not going to have the correct insurances in place and, and, and conduct yourself like an estate agent? And yeah, 100%. Yes. And it's never as expensive as you think it's going to be. And my word, when things go wrong, that will be expensive. And we do know that the property world can be very litigious because actually, if you're buying a property from someone, it's a lot of money. So it always strikes me as being slightly daft as well as, frankly, you know, going against all the rules, not to just go, this is an upfront cost. It's a cost of doing business. Once I get going, I will pay myself back. You know, it will it will pay dividends for me. But yeah, as I, 100%. But as I said, you know, you're, you're, I think you're possibly one of the second, well, I think you're as well-connected in the property world as Richard Bowser because you you are a great networker, aren't you? You get around, you pop up <laughs> all over the country. Um, yeah, we've been, yeah we've, been, we've been building a team, team at Insurance Desk recently. So, you know, I haven't been as networking as, as much as I would like to, you know, obviously post-COVID. But yeah, no, I mean, it's just property, as you know, Rachel, you've you've been doing it for long enough. It's just, it's a people's business, isn't yes, it? So if you're interested yeah. in people, you, you know, you're, you're, you're halfway there or more than halfway there. And someone like Richard Bowser, you know, I mean, you know, I can't remember when I re- met Richard Bowser, but literally, you know, again, similar sort of time to, to yourself probably, but you just remember, you know, he used to say, you know, even if, you know, don't get, um, you know, beat, don't people beat yourself up about, you know, seeing on social media, people buying this portfolio, 20 properties, this person's got 50 properties. He said, even if you buy one property a year for 10 years, you'll be in a really, really good place. Yes. And, you know, I remember that the first time he told it me, you know, and you just, you just get little nuggets from people, the more you, ne- the more you network. Um, and it's and just actually, and all the more, the more you network, the more fun it is as well, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I mean, I, we had in, for those of you who don't know us personally, we had enormous fun running the Bucks Property Meet, and that was because all of us attract like-minded people. And so, if you haven't got to the right networking group, go and find another where it is buzzy, it is fun, new stuff comes up all the time. Because your speciality was finding all those people at the beginning of their journeys who would like to come and talk and had a room full of actually quite difficult people to talk to because none of us were beginners. So, you know, I'm thinking off the top of my head, you gave, you know, Susie Cole had one of her first speaking gigs, uh, Sarah mm. Ponton Ryan, all sorts of people who, you know, were going, this is what I'm going to do. And the room were going, oh, yeah, we've heard that all before. And of course did. So I think if you go to networking, you will start to hear far more about the good things about what you should be joining in with property and the right people to get insurance from or mortgages or anything else. And one of the other things you have set up because of the stuff that came out of the Berkshire, the Bucks, is the land buying company which I have to say is a brilliantly named company, isn't it? Because that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. 
It's yeah. I mean, we've. I mean, we were very fortunate at the Bucks. I think we went for about seven or eight years, and some of the people we met were, you know, the speakers become friends and and stuff like that. And as you've alluded to earlier, there's. I mean, you know, well, we're actually, the Bucks ran for ten years. Was it ten years? Gosh, <laughs> yes. there you go. I know. It flew by. I've shortchanged it. I've shortchanged it. But there we go. Yeah. But I mean, it's an independent meeting, so it's purely, you know, we really there was there was you know no no one selling you know massive massive you know ten thousand pound courses from the front. It was just brown tables you know, solid networking and there's loads of different people in their journey. I mean, one of the ones at the moment that's doing really, really well is Partners in Property, which is a very similar, it's a daytime event. So you, you tend to have a lot of people that are full-time in property at the daytime yeah. events. So that's a really, really good one to, to check out. But yeah, I mean, the person that we set the land buying company up was Richard, who, uh, you know, I've, I knew him from the Berkshire. So it was almost like, you know, I met them at the Berkshire and met him and Katie for a long time, became friends. He came to the Bucks many, He did, many yeah, times. Yes. Yeah. And then it was just really literally towards the end, you know, Richard, just at a junction in Richard's life when he was just finishing a really, really big project in, in London, you know, we felt that it was the right time to form, you know, effectively a site finding company for, you know, writing direct to vendors to, you know, basically get planning permission on their land and either sell the sites on or build them out. Richard's a QS by um, training. So, you know, again, when you build a team, you want to have people that complement each other and you know he he just finished building a, a twenty thousand square foot property on the bishops avenue so you know when you look at it took an hour and a half to walk around it so um when, <laughs> when he could build something like that there's not really much he can't build so he was he's a great person to have, have formed that with and um you know he's got a wealth of knowledge and he looks at things completely different to me which is what you want when you're uh, it is doing. it is that, that's a perfect partnership isn't it and that, that sort of company, I, I mean, I've heard Richard present on that before now, where it really is a case of, you know, keep your eyes open and, and come, if you find something, approach the land buying company because you've mm. got far more power than the average person, um, you know, individually. And a part of the thing about finding sites is just knowing what's been able, other people have been able to do elsewhere. Will it fit into the space? Is it in the right place to do it and all the rest of it? And it is one of the areas I think that is growing more and more in property, isn't it? Because we don't, we're, unfortunately, England isn't getting any bigger, is it? So we are having to find those little nooks and crannies tucked away behind houses. Well, it's, I've just had a report, an email come across my day to say, I think the um, we've gone up 6% of we, England and Wales, the... Uh... From this, from the survey that was done recently, the census. So, I mean, effectively, we've uh, we're getting smaller and smaller. But, yeah, I mean, I think um, in the same way people look for areas to buy properties in. The good thing about property development is physically the opposite to that. You 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 want to go to the most expensive areas because at the end of the day, you know, if if you're you know building a house for, I mean, whatever rate per square foot you want, because there's so many different rates that people will quote. But if you if you're building a a decent spec house for £200 a square foot and the end sale of that, the end sale value per square foot is £600 a square foot, then £800 a square foot in you know other places, then you know you can literally go and play in really expensive areas. And you know if you are taking a bungalow out or something like that and putting two or three houses in there, it's just completely viable. And you know we've got a couple of sites under option at the moment and it's life-changing for the people that you're, you know, you're dealing with. You know, they're, you know, they've got this sat on quite a large inheritance that they want to pass on to their family so you know we're helping them crystallize it so it's great in that side of things 
that's fantastic. So I think many people are, they read too much the Daily Mail and, and likewise about land grabs and was it garden mm. grabs and things like that. And actually, there is a lot of land tucked away that could be used for housing far more than going onto a greenfield site. So yeah, for those of you who haven't found uh, the land buying company, definitely go and look them up. Um, I know that you'll give me all the details for our show notes so that people will be able to follow the links and everything, which would be great. Yeah. So where are you networking at the moment? Because uh, you, you mentioned um, Partners in Property. Were any others that you could throw out there? To, cause... I No, I haven't at the moment, really. We've been, as I said, we've been building the team. So I've been hard to get out. Um, I mean, two or three times a month, I've been going to the Partners in Property meeting. I will look to get back to, you, you know, places like Baker Street and some non-property events like local business clubs. But there's, I mean, there's literally a matter of, you know, I mean, you could, you know, like just Google places and, you know, it's, it's what, what sits well with you. But at the end of the day, you know, like we've always said when we run our meeting, Rachel, is, you know, make yourself known to the hosts, explain what you're looking to get out of the meeting and they will match you up really quickly with people that could be a couple of years on in your journey. Yes. Because, you know, that all the hosts that, that you know, they want to, basically help you as much as they can so you know I, and just go with a purpose in mind you know you know don't just go there to get rid of business cards and collect business cards you know i think like susie used to do she used to judge it on coffers isn't there yes. you know just <laughs> just you know look look as a have a, a reason why you're going you know you can obviously help other people with skill sets because people in property have got wider skill sets invariably all the time but um yeah just and, and obviously try and find your you know your strategy uh, i would say or the, the type of element you're going to do in property as quickly as possible and then go around and find other people that are doing that strategy and take all the best bits from what they're doing and you know hopefully you'll get to your your model as quickly as possible as opposed to you know trying to go around lots and lots of property meets and then saying oh i'm going to do auction trade in one month and i'm going to do you know sa the following month and i'm going to do source you know uh, use that shiny penny syndrome so try and play to your strengths and you know just spend as much time with those sort of people that are doing the sort of thing you want to do and what i found with property is everyone's very very given of their time you know there's people just you, you know as we know you can't buy everything and you know 99.9 percent .9 of people were quite happy to have a coffee with you see if they can help you and um you know it's, obviously you'd be surprised what comes out of that and also of course the months go by very quickly so if you go to the same one regularly you will soon mm. have a group of well-known friends. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. Yeah, um, and that that does make a huge difference to how quickly and how well you get on in property. So, well, uh, thank you so much, John, for taking the time out of a, such a busy schedule to to be able to talk to me today, and particularly filling in our knowledge about insurance because uh, it is such an unknown area, and it should be so much more important, I think, in all the trainings. Mm. So, thank you very much, and I no hope problem. to see you very soon, soon in the Indeed. flesh. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> right, no problem okay then. that's great thanks take care that's right bye bye Rachel thank you for listening to the property solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton if you want to create a professional and profitable property business download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist <laughs>